0: Hello and welcome to the Axiom Fireside Podcast. I'm Alan Farrington, I'm a co-founder and general partner at Axiom. The idea with this podcast is that we record it live as the Twitter spaces, and after we've gone back and forth with the guests for a while, we want to open it up to Q&A from the audience. So if you're listening now, you like the idea of that, you don't mind getting on stage, Make sure you follow Axiom on Twitter at AxiomBTC, that's at A-X-I-O-M-B-T-C, so you won't miss whenever we host the next episode. We plan on doing this once a month or so, we're going to try as much as possible, at least in the first few episodes, to keep the guests, the founders, and CEOs in the Bitcoin space, and to keep the discussion to building businesses in Bitcoin. You'll hear me say at the start of this episode that we don't want to talk macro, we don't want to talk memes, we don't want to ask questions that the guest has been asked a million times before, We want to talk about the commercial reality of working in the Bitcoin space, building products, and starting businesses. For episode one, we had Graham Kritzek from Voltage. We provide lightning infrastructure as a service. If you want to find out more about Voltage, you can check out their website at voltage.cloud, follow them on Twitter at voltage underscore cloud, or follow Graham at at G Kritzek. That's at G-K-R-I-Z-E-K. So we hope you enjoy and if you enjoyed enough we hope to see you for a future live recording thank you very much for coming everybody just before we kick off the conversation with graham i do want to briefly mention what we're trying to do with these spaces so we'll aim to do this maybe every month or so with, uh, whether it's founders or CEOs of Bitcoin companies, uh, very probably ones that we've invested in full disclosure. Um, we'll record them hopefully better than this one. Uh, we'll turn them into podcasts so you can listen to afterwards if you want. Um, if you maybe wanted to attend, but you missed out. Um, but our focus is always going to be on building bit businesses in the Bitcoin ecosystem. So, if you're, you know, if you're in the audience, if you're listening later on, you want to get on stage and ask a question. Uh, that'd be that'd be amazing, whether this one or just in a future episode. Um, but just to warn you, we we don't want you asking the guests for things like you know their their price predictions or or anything kind of stupid like that <laughs> the the frame of mind we want you to be in and we're going to do our best to stick to this ourselves is just thinking about working you know with bitcoin companies or for a bitcoin company or maybe even starting your own bitcoin company so without further ado somebody who has done all of these things graham Kritzek, thank you for coming on
1: hey thanks for having me yeah excited to actually excited to chat for this one because it usually is the podcast and things like that are focused on <laughs> why is lightning cool what are the Those <laughs> yeah. kinds of things so excited to talk about other things
0: yeah well I, I was gonna say that i've obviously got a bunch of questions lined up and i know that you've been on pretty much every bitcoin podcast so we do want to try to ask you things that you maybe haven't been asked like 10 times before um <laughs> so so good that you're you're up for that you know you're not you're not reading all of this off a script or anything um so yeah so just I guess to start with just in keeping with the intro could you tell us about what you were doing before you started voltage and what made you want to take that leap
1: yeah good question so I guess like a little bit of my history um I got a business degree in college and then it, by the time I knew that I wanted to go into like software engineering um it was I would have had a spend, you know Thousands more dollars, more years in college, all those things. So I graduated with a business degree, but went right into software engineering. And so I've been a software engineer for the last 10 ish years, uh, focused on infrastructure. So doing cloud stuff, um, you know, servers, all of the things and like the back end of, of applications. And I've been at Bitcoin since about 2012. And I, uh, basically participated. In, I, I found Bitcoin is cool tech. Like I didn't really think about it from like the fiscal policy, the, the economic value, like the, the, Fixed monetary uh, policy, like all those different things, like the all the the economics of it. I had just didn't care about. It was cool tech, and I wanted to work on cool tech, and uh, so I kind of participated in it and sort of writing open source tools, being part of the ecosystem, all those things. Um, and then uh, basically, in about 2018, I really wanted to like. I, I got kind of tired of having Bitcoin being my my side gig, like the thing I did on the weekends. I really wanted to work in it full time, um, but there was not a lot of companies hiring for what i was doing it was very um sparse in the uh and like in the amount of like opportunities there were to actually work on bitcoin full-time so i kind of took the opportunity to look at you know what are things that i could do that could you know contribute to the bitcoin ecosystem um where are gaps that exist that i could uh, fill and so you know I'll, obviously i saw like the lightning network as this like it was kind of this up-and-coming thing that was like you know promised to scale bitcoin it was going to You know, cheap, cheap and fast payments, like all these different things that sounded really cool. So I was like, all right, cool. I'll dive into that. Uh, started work trying to like work with lightning and it was like, it was very, very difficult to actually get started and to actually use the technology. Like you had to build everything from source. You had to figure out what like these channels were, what were nodes, like how does all this stuff click together, and it was just like a very horrible, really difficult process, even for myself as like an engineer. And so I was like, wow, I really wish that there was like a cloud provider or something that I could just like click a button, have a node up and running, and then start like working with it from there. And so um, so that as an opportunity. And that's essentially what I did was I wrote this platform um, to be able to create nodes really, really easily and quickly. Um, and that's what, you know, Voltage was launched as, as a, you know, a node hosting platform um, for the Lightning Network. Uh, and then it's since evolved into, you know, more things solving, I guess, more problems inside of Lightning um, and other things. But uh, so I guess to focus on the, the, the question, it was really a matter of I wanted to solve interesting problems in Bitcoin and looked at where are the opportunities to do that. What is something that someone hasn't solved already? Um, so there's a lot of fantastic builders in the Bitcoin ecosystem. What is something that ha- someone hasn't done that could actually add value? Um, and started to just like basically build that and then, you know, kind of got feedback and then iterated from there into the company that it it is today. So, uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately just started playing around and, you know, it got on an idea that, uh, seemed to have legs.
0: Nice. Uh, I want to dig into the background a bit more though. Um, you, you mentioned, you know, at the time pre-voltage, right? Very very firmly pre-voltage. You were just tinkering nights and weekends. Like what exactly were you doing?
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question. So like, I guess like one of the early things that I worked on was um fixing the uh the IRC channel for Bitcoin core devs. Uh there was a time where GitHub had an automatic um integration with IRC channel so it could post statuses of like, oh, this uh this issue got solved or something like that. Well GitHub depreciated that and so Bitcoin Core was like, well, we need to have um a way of still getting notified of like, you know, the pull requests and all these things in Bitcoin Core into the IRC channel. So I wrote a tool to basically link those two up. Um, and be able to uh, yeah, make that essentially a, a, a seamless process that it was today or is like that it was before. And then also like in the 2017 area era, I got really interested in kind of um, building tools around like other things, so like you know Ethereum or Cosmos or any of these things. I was never that into them, but they were always having these hackathon projects where they would pay out in Bitcoin for the rewards. And so that got me really excited. Of like, hey, I can just win Bitcoin by writing software for like these other chains. And so, you know, I wrote tools, you know, around like, you know, validators and all those things and like the, the other ecosystems, which ultimately just won me more Bitcoins. Like that was really exciting as well. So, um, everything from like, uh, I have some pull requests into Bitcoin core as well and like their CICD system. So that was after there was like a big bug that just didn't get caught from, I can't remember the, the, the core developer's name, but, uh, ultimately there was a, a bug that didn't get caught and it was because of, you know, kind of a lack of testing or a lack of, um, ability to have good testing inside of the Bitcoin core e- repo. And so I made some pull requests into that to fix up the, the, um, the testing framework. So ultimately, it's basically just like figuring out where can, I, where can I get my hands into? And it was just a lot of different things. Um, and so um, really, uh, yeah, it just kind of did a lot of different things to, to get involved and start participating.
0: Did you think about applying for a, a Bitcoin company role or were you two kind of impassioned with the idea that became Voltage that you just jumped straight to the end?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, like, so I, I did try and kind of start, uh, I wanted to work for a Bitcoin company, like in the beginning of like, you know, at that time there just wasn't really a lot of opportunities for that. Um, there was just not a lot of people hiring, et cetera. And so uh, it was really hard to do that. And so that's where I was like, okay, well like, let me just start doing what I can. I don't want that to limit me. I'm gonna go and start doing things anyway.
0: Maybe this doesn't apply as much now, because I would assume that that environment has changed quite a bit in the meantime, but knowing what you now know, having gone through the process of saying up voltage, w- would you have done anything differently?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think that um, I think that the way that I started it, I would recommend other people doing it like, you know, don't just, uh, don't try and like go and raise money on an idea or something, like kind of try and build at least the smallest like MVP that you can and, get user feedback and build it up from there I think that that's something that's very important is actually just kind of building out at least a proof of concept um, inside of like your uh, your project and so I think that that's um, something that I always recommend to folks and then um, I think that ultimately I'm trying to think I think that just like figuring out like talking to users like more in the early days is something I would have done more of kind of you know we had the ideas of like what we think people need how they will use it and we really kind of pushed into that direction but then ultimately you know as Bitcoin and lightning and all these things um evolve very, very rapidly, you know, there were some things that we had to like, you know, shift and change gears on and things like that. And so I would say, um, be very, very nimble in the ways that you uh, build out your organization or your product. Uh, And then that will help you ultimately in um, being able to respond quickly to to user demands.
0: I feel like we're kind of going against the the rules I set at the start because it sounds very much like you've given this advice before. I guess that's more my problem in, in asking the question, though. But I'm curious, like, do, do you find people approaching you with, you know, with similar questions to these? Like, or, have you sort of mentored other Bitcoin companies into existence? Yeah, I mean,
1: like, yes and no. Like, I mean, I... I help anywhere that I can or anywhere that I'm asked them. Um, I wouldn't say that I've done it a lot in like the public forum. Um, kind of like this. It's more of like, you know, working with folks uh, like inside of like, you know, the Wolf Accelerator and things like that of like, you know, kind of giving um, feedback and, and offering value there as much as we as much as I can. And so uh, there's and like, luckily, like there's been a, I would say a big boost in terms of people trying to like start Bitcoin companies or organizations. Um, and so that's been super super. Uh, fantastic for the the community at large and so any ways that I can kind of you know give back or like you know help those those folks I I try and do.
0: All right so jumping ahead right so Voltage exists now it's been around for a while how do you think about hiring and has that changed since since it's been up and running? Yeah
1: uh, yeah, yes that's a great question Um, yeah and it definitely has like changed I would say since um, since like the inception of Voltage and like uh, the way that we think about hiring is I mean, we just want, um, there's it when you're starting off really early, I think it's important to have like, you know, the buy in of the values and like people kind of believing in the mission and all these things, um, which is, you know, I think that's fairly easy to find inside of like the Bitcoin ecosystem. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of talented folks, a lot of people believe in, you know, the mission and all of these things. And so that's really great. Um, but really, uh, as we, as you start to scale up, I think that it's harder to, you know, you also want to optimize on the best talent. And so there's also a level of being able to find people that are very uh, talented in what they do, but can kind of, you know, learn the things about Bitcoin and like the things that we believe in all those things. So I think that, you know, you got to lever higher and sort of like the passion in the early days, and then you can kind of um, find a balance uh, over time. Um, And but like, so I guess the ways that we think about it is really, um, you know, we're still a really small team, we have like 15 people. um, And so like thinking through that, like we still have very tightly um, keeping in those four values. And so uh, there's also, um, so I guess like in the ways that you think about hiring, those are kind of ways that we think about it. And then it's also, I would say like, you know, you need to scale very nimbly. I think that it's easy, especially if you start raising like VC dollars, it's very easy to scale up like rapidly. And I would say you really need to scale up with user kind of demand or traction or any of those things. Um, it can get very, very enticing to just like, Hey, we have money, we're going to hire like, you know, 10 more people. Um, But really, you need to, I think, be very thoughtful about that uh, and, you know, kind of scale alongside what you're seeing as far as users demand um, goes. So I I hope that kind of answers
2: the question.
0: Yeah, no, no, it definitely does. I I had in mind, I wanted to push it in a slightly more provocative direction anyway. So I remember this chat on Twitter. I'm not going to dox, I suppose, (laughs) who it was. I remember talking about it, but this idea of you run a Bitcoin company do you hire Bitcoiners? Presumably not exclusively mm. Bitcoiners, but like, should you have that bias? What is your take on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good question. I think that, um, like, I would like, I think to have like a pointed answer, no. I don't think that you only need to hire Bitcoiners um, for a couple of reasons of like, you know, there's it depends on the position kind of in terms of like, you know, most engineers are like just good at engineering, writing code, developing applications. They can do that. Um, in a lot of different capacities, if you're looking for more of like maybe a senior level, like strategy, uh, product thing, maybe they need to be leaning more into that. But overall, there's like some very, very talented folks out there that are maybe even just kind of like, like, hey, this Bitcoin thing sounds interesting. I don't know a lot about it, but like, you know, this, this sounds kind of cool. And then, um, being able to bring those people into the organization and really like educate them, I think it's a fantastic way of educating as well. Um, and getting them on board, um, that way is, is really, uh, a, a good way of doing it. And then ultimately, like, you know, at the end of the day, when you're building a business, like you're trying to build, you are know, trying to build a sustainable business, you're trying to grow it and do all these things. And you need just the best talent out there to do that, no matter what, whether they're, you know, Bitcoiners or otherwise. And so um, really optimizing on like, you know, the talent of the person, I would say is number one. And then I think, you know, finding the way that they fit into like culture and those things um, is, is, a, is obviously important too, but th- there's a balance there.
0: So what you're saying is Twitter is not real life.
1: Yeah, yeah i am i am definitely saying that yeah i think comes up uh, i think in, in a lot of different contexts
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i i obviously put that across kind of facetiously but i i'm curious if you if you can just go into that in a bit more detail like t- to what extent do you think i wouldn't say twitter as a whole but like drama that flares up on twitter does that affect how you run the business at all i i would think it probably it's more than zero but certainly less than 100 i don't know how do you think about it
1: maybe can you elaborate on like the the drama that comes up on twitter like
0: um no no particular it's not like i want you to comment on a on a given issue i mean outside of like do you hire beginners or not because that's interesting but i guess another way of putting it is how how important is um, broader Bitcoin culture in firstly hiring, which you kind of did comment on already, but, but then just running the business, you know, once you have hired people, you're up and running, how much do you pay attention to that stuff?
1: Mm, Yeah. I mean, I think like very little, I think that ultimately like, you know, we, we at voltage, like we're very, um, I would say we have like very, our ears to the ground and like, we're always kind of following the latest thing inside the Bitcoin, just like maybe from pure interest because we are all so interested in it. Um, but i think that we also create a very open um organization that like you know we let like we've let people have like their opinions on things like you know some people inside of voltage like ordinal some don't like you know and they can all like have their own opinions about that um and so i think that um keeping that kind of open uh, open space is very very important um uh, but then also uh i think that there's there's a level of like you need to pay attention to those things on twitter because like ultimately it could shape like the way that Bitcoin evolved, like what if drive chains like get uh, merged in? Like, what does that, you know, what does that mean for our business? What does that mean for Bitcoin as a whole? Like, what do those things mean? Um, And so it's important that least, I would say kind of like be aware, but like it's very little in terms of like, you know, decision-making or anything like that.
0: Yeah, so once again, Twitter is not real life. This could be mind-blowing for (laughs) a number of the listeners on Twitter, keep in mind. All right we talked about hiring how do you approach raising capital and and just quickly in case the audience isn't aware we axiom have already invested in voltage but don't let that affect your answer graham be brutal
1: (laughs) yeah i mean um i guess like so the ways that you approach like raising capital i think it it depends on like there's like a million factors in terms of like you know what do you how does that work what do you think about and all those different things i think um You know, when you're first starting off, I think that, again, starting off with some kind of like MVP showing traction is going to be your best bet because you're able to then have like more, I'd say more fruitful conversations with investors. If you can say, hey, you know, we have like these data points around like just people either like it or, you know, this is what they like, this is how they're using it, that kind of thing. Um, So I think that definitely, uh, I think it's, there's maybe a habit of kind of jumping into the fundraising thing before, before that was just an idea or something, which is, I don't really recommend. Um, And so that's the way that you start. And I think that ultimately when like, I think if there's like a big takeaway to to have here, I think that the way that I think about fundraising more than anything is it's like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, the, the reason for doing the fundraising thing is like to, you know, fund the business, to get money in the bank, all those things. But I think the really, the more important thing to think about as people go through the process is really optimizing on like the partners, the people that are investing in you, because those people are going to be with you for years and years to come. And so, uh, and those people have, I would say a, similar impact of hiring, like, you know, the ways that you hire and that, you know, they can help you um, do significant things inside of the business or grow it in ways that maybe you couldn't, um, and then additionally, like, help you in hard times or whatever it is. And so uh, there is, I would say, when you think about fundraising, you need to think about, you know, funding the business, obviously, but really think about the, the people that you're working with and being able to optimize on those people that are going to, you know, be there to help you and really build the business alongside you. And that's more of what I um, pitch in terms of people um, thinking about fundraising, which is you know sometimes easier said than done. Like you know at the end of the day you got to fund your business, but like the the partners that you bring along with you inside of that is is incredibly important. And so uh, those are the ways that I kind of think about it. And then like you know there's I would say there's I'll probably stop there. And if we want to go more tactical into like you know the process itself, like you know, we can do that.
0: Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, um, I'd probably just turn it over to you again. I, I didn't have anything in mind about exactly how the process would would work but i mean do you have pointers on that i suppose for for people who you know have a good idea maybe have a good mvp but just aren't familiar with that world
1: yeah i mean i think like it's maybe it's I, i'll probably if for anyone that has researched it it's all kind of like uh maybe obviously people repeat the same things over and over but it is like valuable feedback in that you know the, the best way to approach that is to really start um getting uh in front of investors like before you even want to raise so like you know the the ability uh the the important thing is to really focus on building relationships so kind of going back to what i said earlier you want to optimize on having the best people involved um, but you also need to be able to you know if you just kind of show up to some investors doorstep and say hey we're looking for some money for this project you know it's it's a harder conversation to really go from zero to a hundred in that scenario where it's much easier if you're just saying hey we're, I'm building this project. I just want to get to know folks in the ecosystem that you know could be interested in something that we're building, and then just have conversations with them. You know, once a month, once a quarter, whatever it is, and just kind of um, having those conversations allows them from going. You know, and then when you're ready to raise, you're not going from zero to one hundred. You're going from maybe fifty to one hundred or something,
3: because so they have a,
1: an idea of like you, your business, what you're doing, all these different things, and that really helps the wheels um, go much faster, and it's an easier sell. Than kind of going in uh, into it cold. So I think that you know when you're focusing in that the the early the early stage of maybe even you know having your first round of capital or something, starting to build that MVP first and just have conversations with people, and then when you're ready to actually you know go and raise money or do something more more serious than that, that helps like tremendously and actually you know executing on the process and and getting those um, folks interested.
0: Do you tailor your approach to the type of investor that you're speaking to?
1: For for me, yes, like absolutely, because you know, we talk to um a lot of different kinds of investors. So we have um you know, investors that are very Bitcoin focused, they like understand Bitcoin, they understand Lightning, they probably maybe know more about being in a lot of different areas and they're very um in the know about all those things. And then we also talk with traditional VCs, so people that are like you know looking at everything under the sun and they're like, Oh yeah, I kinda know about Bitcoin, but I have no idea what the lightning network is, why is this valuable, why is this helpful? Um and so kind of tailoring tailoring those conversations um, is very uh, is very important because you need you know everyone's coming at it from a different level and so I think that maybe doing you know doing some of that um, upfront research or or work into term into um, figuring out you know what do we think that this this you know VC's understanding is of the ecosystem or what they're doing and so yes like I think that's very helpful and then you know tailoring the conversations based on that is very helpful as well because you know if I go into um, meeting with a general CC, and I'm just viewing about why we like, uh, you know, the ways that we're doing. You know, channels are inefficient. We need to have like splicing. Splicing is going to be this great new thing. They're going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? And so, um, really framing that is, is very important.
0: Final one on this: um, h- How do bull and bear markets affect your approach to all of this? Like, did any of your previous few answers maybe change depending on the circumstances?
1: I don't think that any of the answers change um i think that they're all like pretty consistent i think that you know there's a level of it's kind of uh there's just you know it's bc VP and funding businesses and all these things are, are a market just like the stock market is or anything like that so things fluctuate things go you know valuations go up they go down like people's ability or willingness to deploy capital goes up and down so like um i think all everything that i said still stands but just knowing that there is fluctuations where like Hey, maybe this person was really, really interested six months ago and now they're like less interested. It could be, you know, it might not be anything that has to do with your business. It could be that they're like, you know, they're strapped for cash because they made a bad investment in Solana and now they're like completely wrecked. And now they're like trying to figure out how are they just going to like pay their bills next month kind of thing. So, um, understanding that there's like, this is a fluctuate, a fluctuating market, just like any other market is. And so um, I think that, you know, when you think about bull and bear markets, like that's just the way to think about it in the VC world. They're they're just the same ultimately. Yeah, Graham, that, that's fantastic. And
3: if I may, I, I kind of want to pivot us to a, a different part uh, with regards to the business and probably something that comes up with a lot of the VC raising is given how novel uh, a lot of the businesses that are built in the Bitcoin ecosystem are, how do you think about pricing your services and, you know, the hiccups and or the benefits that you've seen in how do you tell people, well, this is what voltage costs and this is what we're doing?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think, like, ultimately, so uh, this is something that is, it's is—it's—it's one of the hardest things that I've encountered. And, you know, we I've talked with you guys about this before. But it's one of the hardest things I've encountered is around, like, the whole pricing thing and, like, how do you how do you do that? And I think, ultimately, like, you got to start somewhere. So I think that, you know, when you're thinking about just early idea, like, getting it out the door, I think just doing, you know, as much research as you can, but having, you know, kind of your best guess and going with it. Um, is, is the way to do that. And then, um, I would say, I would say, uh, to really focus on it early in terms of like getting, you know, feedback in terms of how are people using the product? How are, what are people liking and not liking is, are we too expensive? Are we too cheap? Like how did all those things work? And then, um, quickly start iterating on it. Um, from there, because I think that, you know, it's easy to just say, you know, here's the thing. And then we, you know, us at both Vol- we've kind of like ran with our initial pricing for too long and we, just, you know, we're working through kind of a revamp of that. Um but ultimately, really thinking through, um, you got to get something out the door, and it's just like your best guess is pretty much all you have, and that's totally fine. But I would say be very, you know, hyper aware of, you know, what's working and what's not working, how are your customers using it, and then um, working through that to, you know, iterate on that to be able to, you know, you want to offer um, a really good value for your customer that is, you know, something that they're, you know, willing to pay, and like all those different factors. So then you also want to make sure that you have, as a business, a, an ability to like scale with your users and you know capture more upside and like you really create economies of scale that uh, that enable you to actually grow into the future as well. So it's an incredibly hard topic, but I would say you know you got to launch with something, but be very um, I, it's something that you need to be hyper aware of and really um, paying attention to as you kind of go through the various um, phases of adoption of your
3: product. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And then with with one question that. May seem almost odd is that when competitors start to realize that this is a market, that voltage is serving, and they come in, does that actually help you with regards to how you price your product Because you see them come in and you see how they think they can price and the value they're adding? Does that actually add information
1: internally for yourself, or
3: how have you viewed that
1: dynamic? Yeah, I mean I think, it, uh, I think I mean it is it is helpful, and like um, yeah, I mean I think it, it's ultimately you know comparisons of just looking at how how other things happen. Um So like I think that it is helpful from just like kind of like just more data points across the board. And so it is helpful as like as kind of competitors or other people come online. And I think it's also the way like the psychology of like how are these other people, uh how are these other people thinking about it? How are they, um you know, kind of what ways, what are the value adds? Like what are the metrics that they're pricing on and all these different things? So I think that ultimately it is just more data that you can use in, you know, kind of researching your own strategy and what makes sense there. Um, I think that, uh, the, you know, some of the advice that I've, I've always heard is like the, the, the two ways to like definitely not do pricing ever is to price based on what your, what your costs are. Um, so don't just say, hey, it costs us $10, we're going to charge 20 or something like that. You really need to look at the value you're adding to the customer and where that fits in. Um, and then secondly, don't price based on your competitor. Don't say, hey, our competitor is $100, so we're going to be $90. Like, you know, those things just are never winning strategies. And so never do that. So like, I think that, you know, competitors are helpful in terms of like the data points, but never a direct, like you just, Hey, just let's shave 10 bucks off their price. And we're going to, you know, we're going to go with that. I think that, you know, there's obviously your products should be very differentiated. So like, you know, those, there's not that, that simple of a correlation. So good data points, but less of a specific kind of thing to use as a, as a strategy.
0: All right, if you're in the audience, if you want to ask a question, please let us know. We will start getting you up on stage shortly. Just while we wait, though, I will ask one more, and it's the juiciest one that I've saved for last. So, great. <laughs> if Voltage went bankrupt tomorrow or FinCEN shut you down or whatever, what new company would you start?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I've been, it's probably cliche because I think that it's probably a lot of, a lot of people are in this space, but I mean, I've kind of like caught the AI bug um, as well, like really interesting ways of like AI is being applied and like the convergence of, you know, Bitcoin and AI and all these different things. So I would probably start a company in there. Um, I feel like, I I hate to say that because I feel like it's completely unoriginal uh, because, you know, there's probably a lot of people that are saying the same thing, but I think that it is a very, very um, fascinating space. And I think it's a really um, exciting one too. So, um, that's probably, you know, in that area, it's something that I would go
0: for. All right. As far as I can tell, nobody has uh volunteered to come up. So I'm just going to keep going with, uh, with juicy questions, I suppose. Um, or maybe dive into that one a bit more. So rather than it being completely hypothetical, um, what have you seen in the space that, you know, impresses you has, has given you that idea in the first place that it would be worthwhile exploring it?
1: Uh, do you mean to to my idea, uh, or like uh, to w- what ideas in general are kind of like interesting or working out there? Oh, just
0: just totally generally overlap between well, probably lightning uh, and AI.
4: Yeah, I
1: mean, I think that like the, I mean, it, it, again, it's maybe maybe a little cliche, but I think that the ways that I, are really fascinating is the ways that like people are, um, you know, we've had this concept of like you know the L four hundred two and like this like uh, the thing like Aperture from Lightning Labs and like this basically being able to pay for API requests and endpoints. That's something that's been around for a little while, but it's kind of not gotten anywhere. It's been like this thing that people talk about, but no one's actually done anything with it. And we're actually seeing people starting to apply that now and actually you know, using that in their products and services. And so I think that that is very, very interesting. I think that being able to actually um, do these more machine-to-machine payments and things that like basically there's been a lot of talk about them for a while inside of like the lightning space, but not a lot of movement. And I think that we're actually seeing movement now with this new kind of, you know, with AI and, like, the things that are happening. And so that's super exciting to me to actually, you know, be able to to apply these new new ways that uh, we've talked about for a while. And so I think that's, that's very, very interesting. And I think that um, we also have, like, just seen, it's not related to AI at all, but we've seen, like, you know, this big kind of boom, I feel like, in terms of a kind of non-custodial mobile wall. like with, you know, Mutiny, and uh, there's, like, BTC Pay Service coming out with a, a mobile wall. Like, there's just... There's so many um, that is interesting. I think it's going to be one of those things where it'll be really interesting to see how that whole uh, area plays out uh, because it's, you know, again, it's going to be, um, it'll be really interesting to see. There's, we have tons of them today and how does that converge? How does that work um, over the coming, you know, months and years?
0: Amazing. Thanks so much. So we have our first volunteer, Eric. Welcome to the stage. What would you like to ask her? What's up, you guys? Yeah, this is a really interesting conversation.
4: I think that I, I think the question that I'd be really curious to hear Grant's thoughts on is around as a Bitcoin founder, and you know, and you might have touched on this earlier. Right? If, uh, if so I might have tried it, but as a Bitcoin founder, and you know, how, how are you defining your idea of you know Bitcoin only type product building, and then where do you draw the line? Uh, it, it, and like, you know, I guess synthesized into like a form of like fundamental values, perhaps, or where do you draw the line technologically as to, as we leverage various protocols that are integrating with the Bitcoin protocol? What do we participate in? What do we support? Uh, what are we actively tooling for, or, you know, what are we neutral on, perhaps? And then what are we against, like, how, how are you kind of thinking about some of those questions?
1: Yeah,
0: it's it's a good
1: question. I think that um, the way the way that I think about it a lot is like, you know, us as an organization, we really want to enable as many things as we can inside of our platform. Like we want to be very neutral in terms of like, you know, if people want to do things with Bitcoin, um, we want to enable them to do it. Like, as long as it's not like, you know, intentionally, like, actually harmful to like the community or something um, like that. But like, ultimately, you know, people like, you know, there's this whole like Bolt 12 versus like LNURL debate, like, right, like which one's correct, which one was going to be the winner, all those things. And like for us as, as Bolt, it's like, I don't care. I want to support Bolt 12. I want to support LNURL. And I want people to decide whatever they want to use. It's one of those things where I think that, you know, the usage will dictate like which one wins and which one do people want to use over time. And so, you know, us as an organization, we see that as like, you know, we're obviously very focused on the Bitcoin ecosystem. We want to focus, we want to be able to enable all of the things inside of Bitcoin. Like when Arc is a reality, if it becomes a reality, we'll probably like have a solution for that. Um, and we really want to, and then we'll also, you know, also do the lightning things like we do today. So like, we really want to be um, a platform that enables the things to be built on top of Bitcoin. And then the community, the users, all those people are going to be the ones to drive like, what is the winner? Which one is the correct way or the way that we want to use it. And so that's the way that we kind of think about it. Um, and I I think that everyone, every organization probably has a different take to that, where maybe some are very like, you know, focused in a particular area, which is great. I think that some businesses need to do that. But I think for us, we're very focused on kind of providing the layer that is necessary for people to just figure out what, what is the correct thing. Makes a lot of sense. Thanks, Grant.
0: Nice. Thanks, Eric. Uh, anybody else in the audience, please do uh, pick your hand up if you, if you want to come up on stage. I, I just want to follow up on that, actually, Graham. So, the, yeah, the commentary around like Bowl 12 and so on is, is super interesting. Just to, to make it a bit more provocative, in, in what circumstances do you think you would advocate for a given technical development? I don't know if there's a historical example here. I appreciate it's a bit difficult to answer kind of completely hypothetically, but, you know, w- w- <laughs> when, when would you entertain the drama? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, um gosh, that is a good question. I mean, I guess I haven't really thought about, like, digging in um hard to that. I mean, I think that the things, like, the ways that I would probably dig in more into the the drama is around things that, like, have meaningful advantages to Bitcoin Uh or, like, Lightning, I'm sorry, Lightning more specifically. I think that there's, you know, there's some hurdles inside of Lightning Um, and that we have, like, a lot of promise inside of, like, you know, L2 or PTLCs and all these kinds of newer technologies that some, you know, require, don't require, like, layer one changes some require layer one changes but i think that um that's probably an area where i would get more involved in or more advocate advocate in a particular direction for is ways that um, are very obviously benefiting lightning and creating a better ux and experience inside of the lightning network um i don't i think it's tbd how like controversial those will become over time obviously i mean we're we're debating drive teams again i remember debating these in like 2015 or whatever and so it's who knows what what's going to happen
0: Alrighty. Austin is now up on stage. Fire away.
3: So thanks, everyone, for uh, putting this chat together. I'm curious, in the spirit of Axiom, with uh, the move slow and build things ethos, very uh, aligned with the Bitcoin ethos, I'm wondering, Graham, does that have an impact, like a material impact, in the way you approach building a company, raising capital? Does that sort of ethos really come in and change the way you think about building a company in a way that you might think is different from let's say uh move fast and break things viewpoint.
1: Yeah, I mean, yes yeah, like so yes and no and that um the I think the 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 don't move fast like move slow and don't break things or whatever method is like great like you know Bitcoin and like the the protocol and all of those things. Um I think for us it's still I would say that you know being a business that is building on top I think that it you're there's still like some of that um and being able to really uh, you know, develop out your product, figure out what works, what doesn't, and like really iterate, um, quickly on those things. So I think that they're like from, I think that that's important to keep the slower mentality inside of like the, the protocol itself. But from businesses, I think you could still kind of operate inside of that move fast and break things area. That being said, you know, there's some people like, you know, if you're, if you're doing things that could like lose people money, like in, you know, maybe have like, you know, in, keep a very safe uh, safeguards around like that area and like iterate in the other areas. So, like I think that um, it is important to move fast and break things in organizations. That being said, like, you know, working in Bitcoin, it's like, you know, depending on what your product is and how it works, you could be um, impacting someone's business or their money or like the ways that they, um, you know, interact with others and those kinds of things. So, like you really need to be say, cognizant of that and like really careful. And so there's there's a balance. I think it just depends on what you're doing. If we're developing a calendar app or something like that, like, okay, just, just go, like, just go do it, you know? But I think, you know, given that we're um, maybe in a a, a little more of a sensitive area, there's um, maybe a a middle ground there that is probably like the right way and kind of the right way that we, we approach it.
3: Got it. Thank you. Yeah, Graham,
1: I, I had something on that. And then
3: also awesome. That was, that was a great question. I would say that the motto is fantastic in the sense that, the idea behind it is more about making sure that you're not wasting capital, essentially, Uh, and what you've seen a lot of Silicon Valley recently. But Graham, if I may, I did want to pull back to uh, your answer on the pricing of your business because you sit in a very unique position, too, where you can see the value that you add to companies and then you can price accordingly. Um, and I see a lot of seed stage startups in the Bitcoin ecosystem that struggle with you know, how do we monetize and how do we price it to whether it's consumer and enterprise. And so from from your vantage point and from where you sit, do you feel that you have a comfortable sitting on okay, well, I'm adding this value to this consumer, which typically are companies, enterprise, etc. And you price it that way?
1: Or is it still sort of a gray area from where you sit?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think like
1: I think the, the correct answer is just like it depends on like what the project is, what it does, all those things. I think, but like, I think at a high level, like definitely value based pricing is where, um, most folks need to be. I mean, it, like there's some, there's some even lightning companies or anything like that to charge just like, hey, it's a 1% fee of transactions or something like that. And, like that's, you know, pretty straightforward. It's pretty well understood. Like those are all, you know, totally fine. And so I think that um, it just depends on, I think, what you're building and the ways that you are uh, kind of bringing it. I think that ZapRite, a really interesting example, where they, um, given the way that their platform works and like they're, um, they're not doing any kind of like transaction fees in it um, at all, and they're still doing this kind of like Stripe-like invoicing type setup. And so historically, those products have always had transaction fees inside of them. They're kind of opting out of that and going in more for like a subscription-based model of like, hey, it's this much per month. Um, and, you know, this is, you know, your access into the platform. And I think that that's very interesting. And, and I think that it aligns with what they're trying to do in their, in their customer base. So I think that's a good example of like, you know, it's not always the obvious choice. You really need to evaluate what are you providing to your customers and what do they, uh, want and how can you best, uh, best supply that essentially. And so I think that, um, it really depends on like the product and the service. But, um, I think at a high level, like the value based pricing is, is, is highly, highly um, important. And those are things like that. And it's, it's the best way to do it, but it's also the hardest. And like, it usually means that you have to onboard a bunch of customers, make mistakes, do things wrong, and learn of like, how, like, what is the right way here? How are people using us? And then making the right call as you move forward. So it's the more painful way, but I think it's the right way. No, that makes a lot of sense. And then I'm I'm going to dig in one step
3: layer deeper is that I, I fully understand why a lot of companies, and this doesn't just go for Bitcoin companies, crypto companies, it goes for broader software payments companies that they utilize the sort of percentage model on volume. Have you been tempted um yourself to do that? Because again, it, it is very hard, it sounds like to pinpoint what is my actual value add, right? Because there could be a customer that you're servicing that pays the X subscription model that you guys think is the value add, but they're actually garnering, you know, a hundred times that amount from what you're doing versus a customer that is paying the same amount that's garnering one times from that. And so I always thought the value, the transaction volume type of model, there's a reason that's been prolific in a lot of different businesses.
1: So I want to just see if you ever thought about that from, from voltage. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're definitely exactly right in terms of like, you know, there's a reason that's a popular um, way of charging and, you know, it's, it's it's successful in a lot of ways. So I think that, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I think that for us, like I've never, um, we I've never really evaluated us doing like kind of percent uh, of like payments or anything like that of like fees or anything, because for several reasons of like one, um, you know, we're trying to provide uh, a service around Bitcoin and Lightning. And really the, the reason people come to Bitcoin and Lightning is it's like instant settlement and cheap payments. And if we're, uh, provi- if we're charging a percent fee in terms of every single payment that comes across the platform, we've kind of wiped out one of the biggest drivers. People are coming to it um, for- coming to this technology in the first place. And I feel like it really kind of diminishes a lot of the benefits that folks get out of the platform. And so um for that reason we don't we aren't focused on doing like this transaction base of like, you know, hey, we're taking a set out of one every hundred sets or something like that. Um I think that it really um limits the ability of gaining um the value out of the protocol itself. Um that being said, there is you know, there is the ness ne- it's necessary to still kind of have that upside like you were talking about of like uh, being able to kind of right-size uh, bills for customers that are doing, you know, larger amounts versus lower amounts. And I think that, you know, the ways that we're thinking about that is more inside of, like, you know, usage of the platform, API calls, like, you know, node sizes, those kinds of things. And so I think we're, the way that we're thinking about it, we're still trying to um, have that ability to, like, scale with customers and, and you know, correctly portion bills, um, you know, and, and all of those kinds of things. But I think that the, the, we won't be focusing on like per transactions because of the reasons I mentioned it. But I think that it really just negates the benefits of Bitcoin and, and Lightning in, in general.
0: Matt is now on stage. Fire away, Matt.
1: Hey,
4: Graham. Thanks, Thanks for joining. I, I guess uh, to move away from the payments, I was thinking more in, in kind of your macro view of the Bitcoin ecosystem uh, and, and startups in the space. I was wondering what you saw as potential. Soft spots or or risks in kind of the the near and long term uh, for you know for voltage, but also for for other startups in the space. Yeah, I
1: mean, I think the the thing to be, I think the thing that I I, I really um, noticed over the last like several years is like we're still you know we're still early. I hate saying that because it's like it's a game. I'm trying to. I'm trying to minimize the amount of like cliche things that i'm saying up here but i'm, I'm not i'm not succeeding in that so, like uh we're, we're still early in terms of like you know the market size of kind of bitcoin and lightning is still like it's still being developed right and so um even if there like, i think there's a lot of opportunities to have you know largely successful businesses as bitcoin grows you know and we're doing a lot of a lot more things more people are using it, all of these things But like, you know, in today's world where there's still a lot of, um, there's still a lot of growth to happen. And so I think that that's something that I think is a slippery slope that people kind of, uh, get on is trying to build, uh, build these big, big ideas. But, you know, having the mindset of like the market is bigger than it really is. So I think that just right sizing your mindset in terms of like, you know, this isn't, you know, we aren't going after, you know, like, uh, hundreds of millions of users out there. Like we're not creating like a Facebook level, um, uh, addressable market necessarily, not yet at least. Um, and so really kind of right sizing the idea, the, and then again, like kind of going back into like right sizing the team, the product, the, the amount of money you raise based on where the market is and all these different things is, is kind of necessary. So, uh, I guess to, to bring it home with that, like it's really, um, people need to be very aware of where are we today, um, based on like the size of the market and then kind of executing alongside that. Um, cause like, I think that people have maybe, uh, we, we all have huge hopes in terms of where Bitcoin is going to go and where, what what it'll be eventually. But, you know, we can't, you, if you're going to build a business where you just have to keep raising money over and over and over again until the market comes and then you can create a sustainable business, you're going to have a really hard time doing that. And so really trying to figure out what is the strategy, um, for that. And really, kind of, you know, optimizing in in terms of that. So, like, I think that market size is just something that I I kind of bring up.
4: Gotcha. I appreciate that. And then uh, just a a quick follow up, and this this may be a softball, but where do you stand on drive chain? (laughs) I'm I'm joking. I'm I'm joking. I I wouldn't put you in the spot to uh, answer that if you
0: don't want to. I mean, mean, you can answer it if you want.
1: I don't, I don't even know if I have a real opinion about it. I'm, it's again, kind of goes back to what I was saying of like, if what people want to do, um, go for it. I think that there's more important things that we could be pushing for. in like in the core protocol, um, than drive change. I think there's a lot more things that we could be doing with like CTV and, and all those things. So like, I think there's, there's more, there's more important things we could be arguing about than this, but you know, ultimately it's kind of, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't pay much attention to it
0: at the end of the day. All right, you can tell us what you really think when we stop recording. Uh, we, <laughs> we have uh, Teo up on stage now. Fire away, Teo. Hi everyone.
2: Thanks for, again, for organizing this conversation. Um, so, Graham, I wanted to ask you about um, the custodial aspects or the trends to custody that we observe in the Lightning Network. Obviously, uh, it's a lot of uh, a hurdle for people to manage their own channel to lock up liquidity. On their own nodes, I guess it's the same for uh, small Bitcoin startups that are uh, launching products using Lightning. So they would better uh, use an external service as Voltage or TBB or stuff like that. Um, do you think this, like, economies of scale that are baked in uh, to Lightning design, um, are jeopardizing the the? the development and scaling of lighting, how do you see things play out? Do you think it's um, important or not that uh, we still have some critical mass of uh, users using uh, non-custodial lighting wallets and stuff like that? Yeah, no, good
1: question. I think that us at Voltage are very um, big proponents of like non-custodial solutions. You know, that's the things that we build. And yeah. we really want to drive that forward because I think that, you know, I'm of the opinion of, You know, if, if ultimately at the end of the day, if the majority of the lightning network is custodial, it's kind of, okay, we just recreated the banking system and it's, you know, we're, we're susceptible to all of the same things that have happened and we're, you know, trying to fight to, to prevent all these different things. So I think that it's not, it's not super exciting to me to think about a world where lightning is like very heavily custodial because again, it's, we're just kind of, we just created a new thing with, with a, with a different name. And so, um, so I think it is important to be able to focus on the non-custodial solutions. Um, and I think that we, there's been a, a huge amount of, I would say, uh, improvements over the last even 12 to 6 months, uh, 6 to 12 months, uh, in being able to, to kind of create a good solutions around that. So, like, Mutiny Wallet is a good example of, like, you know, just the latest non-custodial mobile wallet. Um, they do a good job of, like, making it, you know, easy for, um, folks to get onboarded and start using Lightning, um, without having to, like, actually know a lot about payment channels and all those things. So, I think that it's, um, I think ultimately the big push to like non-custodial is more of a it's a tech it's a tech problem more than anything. If if you gave someone the same experience, gave someone the same experience between uh, a custodial wallet and a non-custodial wallet, they'll choose the non-custodial wallet every time, um, given that the, the experiences are the exact same. The reason that's not happening is because the experiences are not the exact same today. There is a challenge in the non-custodial route, and so those are things that we're working on building out, as well as others. And really, being able to solve more of those problems, and, and then ultimately push to like a more you know unified non-custodial system you know out there. And I think that that's where we I think that's where we ultimately win. Um, at the end of the day, too. I think that um, again, you know, building a, an entirely custodial Bitcoin network doesn't sound super fun to me.
0: Anybody who's still on stage, I know so I haven't been kicking anybody off. I don't know if like Eric or Austin or anybody has a has a question. You, you want the honor of the last question?
3: Yeah, I'll, uh, throw a question out there because no one's kicked me off yeah. yet. Uh, Graham, are you, uh, well, if you're at TabConf, what are you most looking forward to in terms of just discussions or, or conversations that are going to be happening?
1: Yeah, I am, I'm not at TabConf. Most of our team is, so go say hi to the Voltage team. Um I am not, unfortunately. I had, I have some other travel that I need to, need to do, so um I am not, but it sounds like, um I think it's, I mean, TabConf is a great conference. It's probably, it's, the, the best for builders. Um, and so I think there's a lot of really interesting things. I think some of those that I'm excited about are like Mutiny is doing a workshop on kind of how their wallet it works and building things like theirs. And then also the Scaling Lightning um, by like uh, Henrik at Torque and some of those folks are kind of presenting on like a, a framework and doing more testing and development inside of Lightning, which I think will be really interesting too. So I would say those two would be ones that I'm checking out.
2: Awesome.
0: All right, thanks so much, Graham. Thanks everybody for coming along as well. I know, Graham, you said you uh, you did have a hard stop in the hour, so I think we'll call it there. I mean, we maybe have a minute or so left. I don't know if there's anything you want to have as like parting words, Keep, keeping in mind the theme of this, right? Is not you know what's your price prediction? What do you think about El Salvador? Blah blah blah. But building businesses in Bitcoin, right? Do you have do you have any any wisdom that we have not yet gotten out of you on that?
1: um yeah i mean it's uh i think that just the hardest thing is making um general uh advice or, or anything like that i mean because like every every business is unique every idea is unique every founder is unique so it's it's much more easy to kind of give you know pointed feedback uh in those contexts so like uh i guess i would state that i have you know an open door if anyone wants to like email me my email is gram at cloud or message me on twitter anything like that um happy to answer questions or or help folks out um, because, you know, I think that the more Bitcoin businesses we can create, the better. uh, And I definitely want to help and folks that are trying to do that. So um, I think that that's uh, the ways that are probably the best, the best uh, parting words that I can give rather than any kind of more uh, generic advice.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much.
1: All right. Thanks everybody. Thanks for having me.